Welcome to Cornerstone Church of Parker and our Sunday service webcast, which is connecting you to God's Word anywhere over the internet. We're glad you're joining our webcast today and pray that God will minister to you as we share His good news in Christ Jesus. And now, with a message from God's Word, here's our speaker for today. today to share God's Word with you. Many thanks to Pastor Mike for this um, opportunity. Our subject today is Noah, a man of obedient faith. Noah is universally known. Mention his name and every person has some knowledge. Noah. Yeah, wasn't that the guy with the flood? Maybe that's the extent of their knowledge. Maybe they know more. Noah is listed among the heroes in the Faith Hall of Fame, Hebrews chapter 11. You NFL fans know about the NFL Hall of Fame. When a player is inducted, he is fitted with a gold jacket, and that jacket marks that he's a member. Now, I'm sure when we get to heaven, Noah will have some kind of mark that he is a member of the Hall of Fame. And I can't wait for the time when I can sit down with him at lunch and say, now, how how did you get all those animals in that ark? Just just tell me, how did you do that? (laughs) Where did you get the wood from that you made all of that? The Bible contains so much information about Noah, and it provides a lot of uh, interesting things. You were given, as you came in, a list of 15 questions, Bible trivia. That's to sort of guide some of your Bible study this week. If you complete that, bring it back next week. Pastor Mike is going to award a prize for the one that has the uh, most correct answers. So look forward to that. Please stand, and we're going to read the Scriptures. First from Genesis, and then from Hebrews. Please read aloud. And the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky. For I am sorry that I have made them, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And now Hebrews. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. By faith, Noah being warned by God about things not seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Please be seated. Noah is an example of obedient faith. When God announced something totally unprecedented in Noah's experience, Noah believed it. Noah showed he believed God by making practical preparation against the day that God's announcement would come. As a result, Noah is a hero of faith. Noah is included in the Faith Hall of Fame, Hebrews 11, we just read. God spoke a warning to Noah. Noah prepared an ark for salvation. Noah condemned the world by his faith, and Noah is counted as righteous. Faith is a response to God. God 
moves in some way, reveals himself, gives us his word, speaks a word in your heart, and your response to God is faith. Now, faith has three components. First, faith must have an object. Please keep your Bibles open. Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. The object of Noah's faith was God. Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. Let me read that for you. Um, Noah walked with God. And these are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. Life had deteriorated from the idyllic conditions of the Garden of Eden. People were murdering and lying to one another. Their deeds had become wicked. Evil was rampant. Violent was on every corner, not just in selected neighborhoods. And in that space, God spoke to Noah. People had disregarded God. Look at verse 5 of chapter 6. And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. Verse 11. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. And the Lord looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. In that age of self-indulgence, Noah became an example. The special object of his faith was God's announcement of coming destruction. Verse 13, then God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. Behold, I'm about to destroy them with the earth. God gave Noah directions to build an ark. Verse 14. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood, and you shall make the ark with rooms, and you shall cover it inside and out with pitch. First, God gave Noah the reason for the ark, coming destruction. Then he gave him directions on how to do the ark. Noah first walked with God, then he received instructions about what to do. Faith must have an object. We Americans believe in and put our faith in the Constitution, one of the greatest documents ever written. The Constitution is our authority. All laws flow from the Constitution. When times are difficult or there is a crisis in the government, we believe the Constitution will survive. That's the object of our faith. We Christians have as the object of our faith God's revealed word. We believe that word will stand no matter what happens in life. The Bible is our authority. When a Christian is accused of narrow bigotry, and this has happened to me, I respond. I take my authority from the Bible. I just try to live by it. So rather than blaming me for being a narrow bigot, I take my authority from here. One of the doctors that I have met since we have moved to Colorado, when he found out that I was a retired pastor and I was a chaplain at a hospital, he said to me, we really need the Bible because society has become such an upheaval. Where do we know right from wrong? We really need the Bible. People put their faith in a lot of different things, but we Christians, we put our faith in the Bible. Number two, 
The second part of faith is risk. Faith requires a risk. God's direction to Noah seemed absolutely ridiculous, that all the people that Noah could see would die, and that Noah should build an ark. Noah had never seen an ark, much less build an ark. From all outward appearances, life was quite normal. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. Jesus said as much in the Gospels. Noah had to take two risks. First, he had to believe that destruction was coming, and he had to preach that message to very cynical people. And second, he had to believe that an ark would help that problem. Noah had faith, which meant he took that risk. The Christian life requires a risk. If my life is to be supernatural, it cannot be in my own strength. It has to be from God. As I look around the Christian church, I see a lot of very good, honorable Christian lifestyles. I see a lot of nice people obeying the law and attending church regularly. But I don't see a lot of risky behavior. The behavior that sets the stage for disaster if God does not intervene. Third part of faith is action. You have to have an object, you have to take a risk, and then action must follow. Following Noah's risky decision, he went to work. Look at verse 14. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood, and you shall make the ark with rooms, and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. Verse 22. Then Noah did, according to all that God had commanded him. Noah had to quit one job, start another job. Noah had to pay for all of the materials. Noah had to collect all of the materials. Noah invested 120 years worth of work and collection. And then after finishing the ark, then he had to collect all of the animals, and he had to collect the food for them. All of that was before he ever felt or saw one drop of rain. Noah took God at his word. Noah staked everything on it. Now that choice comes to every one of us. Every one of us, listen to God or not. The word comes to you through God's revealed word, through this sermon, through contact with Christian people, through that small inner voice inside. Maybe you're in a small group and God's word comes to you through that. I've watched a family make a risky decision to follow God. They're living out their faith. The issue has not been resolved, but they live a risky life. So here's an example for you who are Broncos fans. Some of you are long-term. Good. Not fair weather. You're there. You're ready to root if it's winning or it's losing. You haven't attended many games because the tickets are kind of scarce and a little bit pricey. But long ago... You put your name in to say that if tickets are ever available, I'll consider. Well, that coveted letter arrives, and you read it. Four season tickets available on the 30-yard line, Broncos' side of the field. You have 30 days to execute this order. $7,200. Well, you believe in the Broncos. 
Are you going to take a risk? Are you going to write the check? Are you going to follow through with it? To live by faith is to make some risky decisions. My wife Connie and I lived in Springfield, Missouri years and years ago. We both had jobs. Life was nice. We had friends. But there was an inner steering in my heart. Something was to change. We were to move. We didn't know quite what it was, but we knew we were to leave. Nothing was wrong. We were just supposed to leave. As it settled down, we moved to St. Louis, Missouri. Two and a half million people live in that area. I knew one person, one person, a cousin. We moved to St. Louis, packed our little U-Haul trailer, our U-Haul truck, drove our two cars up there, moved into a little apartment. And if God had not undertaken for us, it would have been a disaster. (laughs) But we felt God called us. We took the risk to move, and then we took the action. Now, if you're living by faith, there are three choices that are required of you. The first choice, to live by faith, is to choose God against the world. Noah had to choose God's word, that destruction was coming, versus the world, which said, everything is really quite normal. Noah had to choose between something old and something new, build an ark. Most of us are followers. We copy other people. Jesus said, we are like sheep without a shepherd. If you've ever attended a seminar where your business is discussed, you picked up some ideas. If you've ever read a magazine to get a new menu for your dinner table, you picked up some ideas. If you've ever attended a marriage workshop where you hear people talk about how they handle strong-willed children, you picked up some ideas. We all copy those ideas. We customize them just a bit to our lives. But we're basically copiers. For people who are accustomed to borrowing ideas and copying from others, Choosing to follow a whole new route with God takes an extra measure of grace. I'm going where nobody else has gone. The great heroes of faith did it. Abraham did it. David did it. Gideon did it. Others did it. You can do it too. Second, to live by faith requires that we choose God against our physical senses. Noah worked for 120 years without any agreement from anyone except his family. He never saw a dark cloud. He never heard a clap of thunder. He never felt a drop of rain. It's not hard to believe that he got tired, got frustrated. I'm sure he wanted to quit somewhere. He was teased. I believe he was probably mocked. Yet he worked on this large boat, on dry land. He chose to believe God rather than his physical senses. So someone is sitting here today and you're saying, did that really happen? Did the entire world actually become covered with water? Our minds tell us that's impossible. 
it, it could not have happened. It had to be a local flood in Mesopotamia in some valley somewhere. A worldwide flood is impossible. My mind just cannot conceive of that. So, here's the choice that is set before you. God's word said it was a worldwide flood in which every person, every animal died, and the water was 22 feet deep on the earth. Your mind says, didn't happen, could not be. There's got to be another explanation. Well, I can give you some supporting evidence now for a worldwide flood. But still you must choose what are you going to believe. Was it a worldwide flood or was it a, just a local thing in Mesopotamia? By one researcher's count, 256 cultures or people groups trace their ancestry back to a flood. Probably rain had never fallen on the earth before Noah. The earth was surrounded by a continuous cloud giving a greenhouse effect to the earth. The, water was, the earth was watered by a mist. Turn in your Bibles, Genesis chapter 2, verse 6. It says, But a mist used to rise from the earth and water the whole surface of the ground. This cloud cover shielded out the ultraviolet rays that come from the sun. Prior to Noah's time, people lived hundreds of years. Methuselah lived 969 years. Those were real years, real annual periods. Noah lived 600 years. But after Noah, lifespan was shortened considerably. Why? Because the ultraviolet rays, which causes the aging, were shielded out. And then the Bible records that the fountains of the great deep broke up. Please turn to Genesis chapter 7, verse 11. It says, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on the same day, all the fountains of the great deep burst open, and the floodgates of the sky were opened. This refers to a shift in the earth's crust in which the tall mountains were thrust up, leaving the great depths for the ocean. This cataclysmic shift caused a great change in the atmosphere. Those high mountains penetrated through that cloud cover that surrounded the earth, and now a rainbow could be seen as water was hit by the sun. In that great shift, the dinosaurs died. There's a lot of evidence for this shift. <clears throat> In the highest mountains today, there are sedimentary rocks. Where did they come from? <laughs> they came about in that shift in the Earth's crust. A few years ago, Connie and I took a vacation in Morocco. For three days, we rode camels in the Sahara Desert, and we camped for two nights in tents out in the desert. It was quite an adventure. As part of the tour, we, we were taken to a factory where they were mining and processing fossil beds from the Sahara Desert. They would take this material, it was as hard as steel, and it was used wherever you would use granite or marble, beautifully finished. 
made beautiful tables, beautiful um, uh, tops, um, beautiful black splashes, and they all had all of these little fossils from the bottom of the sea. Noah's flood. Now that evidence might not convince you, so you have to choose. Are you going to believe what the Bible says? It was a worldwide flood and everybody died. Or are you going to believe your mind which says, that's impossible. That could not have happened. That had to be a local flood in Mesopotamia. A lot of people will tell you, well, Noah really wasn't real. He was, you know, he's kind of a made-up guy. (laughs) All of that wasn't real. The flood was local. You're going to have to choose what you believe. Number three, the person who lives by faith must choose the future against the present. Noah was a flatlander. If you're from West Texas, you know what that means, flat land. From the roof of Noah's little mud house, he could see 50 miles in every direction. His father had lived there. He could see 50 miles. His grandfather had lived there. He could see 50 miles. Noah didn't notice any great changes in the behavior of the people. Yes, there was wickedness, but there had always been wickedness. That was the present to Noah. But God spoke about the future. He said, great changes are coming. And Noah chose to believe the future rather than the present. When I first walked on the property where our church was built in St. Louis, it was filled with bushes and trees, but I could see in my mind's eye a church building. (laughs) And I believed the church building rather than the bushes and the grasses that were on that lot. I chose to believe the future rather than the present. The person who lives by faith must choose that way. Faith sees the future and looks beyond the present. Our future as Christians is heaven. That's where we're going. All of our decisions, all of our goals, our hopes are there. We're here for a short time. We're going to make the best of it however we can. But all of our decisions are based on our future in heaven. Noah lived by faith. Noah chose God against the world. Noah chose God against his physical senses. Noah chose the future against the present. Anyone who lives by faith must make the same choices. Faith is a response to God. If I try to make it happen, that's presumption. Someone may say to me as you walk out today, Pastor John, you know, I like that so much. I was so inspired by that. I'm going to go build an ark. I own a piece of land out in eastern Colorado. It's flat. I have a little money. I can afford. I'm going to go build an ark. I'm, I just feel I should do That's presumption. <laughs> That's not faith. That's presumption. Well, Noah is used to make three lessons In the New Testament. Can we have the next screen? Three lessons. Yeah, he was a real person. Jesus considered him real. The Apostle Peter considered him real. And here are the three lessons. Please turn to Matthew 
chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus considered Noah real. And he makes this lesson. He makes this application. Matthew chapter 24, I'm going to read verses 37 to 39. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days who were before the flood, they were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. The second coming of Jesus will be like it was in the time of Noah. Jesus considered Noah a real person. <coughs> and just as judgment fell in the time of Noah, so it will come in the future. That judgment was judgment by water. That will not happen again because God gave the promise of the rainbow. The next judgment will be the judgment by fire. The judgment was announced. <coughs> judgment today is preached from pulpits, but the routines of life lull us into lethargy. Take a lesson from the rainbow. When you see that rainbow, know that judgment will come. Jesus said so. Number two, Christian water baptism is essential. Now, the apostle Peter considered Noah real, and so he makes a point. First Peter Chapter 3, verse 20. <coughs> Who were once disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah. Guess what? During the construction of the ark in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water, and corresponding to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus. The Apostle Peter here is telling us that Christian water baptism is essential. It's not an option. It is essential. If you have been born again and put your faith in Jesus, you should be water baptized. The Apostle Peter makes a third application. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 5 to 9. And did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah. There he is again, a preacher of righteousness with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. And if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who would live ungodly thereafter, and if he rescued righteous Lot, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, for by what he saw and heard that righteous man while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day with their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under the punishment for the day of judgment. The Apostle Peter says, just as Noah and his family were rescued from destruction, so God can rescue you from destruction as well. And he uses Noah as the example. Was he a real person? Jesus said he was. The Apostle Peter said he was, and they both used him as an example for us. We are to live by faith. We are to respond to God. If your heart tells you that you would be a fool to apologize, I remind you that God's word said, do it. If your heart tells you you would be a fool to be a tither, God's word says, 
And now that last slide. If Noah was here today, and he would stand here, he would tell you, have faith, do it. Just do it. When you have a prompting from God, just do it. When you hear some word from the word of God, just do it. <laughs> Don't let anything stand in your way. The direction from the Bible is our starting point. Just do it. Please stand. And now let's invite the King of Heaven to speak to our hearts. We'll sing a very old song. Only believe, only believe, all things are possible. Only believe. And as we do, let Jesus speak to you. Only believe, only believe, all things are possible, only believe, only believe, only believe, all things are possible, only believe. And as you go, remember Noah's word to you. Just do it. And now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. God bless you. Remember, there's no vision meeting tonight. Go in God's grace and enjoy his favor. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Sunday service webcast from Cornerstone Church of Parker in Parker, Colorado. We hope that His truth has enriched your life and inspires you to greater works in God's kingdom. We invite you to worship with us in our Sunday morning service or join in our other ministry events posted on cornerstonechurchofparker.org. Cornerstone Church, built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and connecting people to God, each other, and to our world. 